Okay, let's go ahead and turn to Jeremiah chapter number 28. Revisit that. Good to be in church tonight. Actually appreciate church uh, more and more and maybe being in another country uh, where the language is different uh, and you still want to participate in the church service obviously and and often I'm preaching uh, but there's nothing like being home in Australia with uh, with my brethren. Uh, I love, I've had some great meetings in America uh, and you know God has allowed me on occasions to to preach there uh, but there is, uh, there is no place uh, in my mind like this place, truthfully. And I thank God for Pastor Lloyd and his faithfulness over all these years. And uh, I really get to think that I, uh, I get to eat off the, f- the, the, the fruit of the tree that he's cultivated. And I appreciate him. I hope you'll keep praying for Pastor. Uh, he's preaching uh, twice tomorrow, so that would be Sunday American time. Uh, he texted me through the titles of his messages, and um, I'm sure they'll be a blessing. Let's uh, pray for him and then pray that he and Danny have uh, safe travel back. Uh, pray for our safety too. I noticed uh, in the, uh, the papers this week a little bit of, uh, a little bit of comment in Thailand about the, uh, the, the danger of the roads. So I'm not exactly sure what our road toll here is, our death toll in a year. I think it's 400 and something. Uh, but in Thailand, it's 1,000 a month die on the roads. 1,000 a month. And that's only counting people who die at the scene. So if you go to hospital and die, that's not even that number. So that's 1,000 a month. And honestly, it feels like that over there. We, just, we, we, we see people uh, dead on the side of the road, uh, you know, on, on multiple occasions. And on multiple occasions, on you know, any given month, you, you have several really close calls uh, where you know, it, it could be disaster. And as, you know, as you know, uh, Joe and I were involved in a, uh, a car accident. A car crossed the road uh, at speed uh, without braking, uh, just coming the other way and, and hit us and spun us around and really did a lot of damage to the vehicle. And uh, the, the car is still out of action. But uh, appreciate your prayers for safety because it is a different situation over there. And uh, people just do outrageous things. They really do. And uh, you, know, you, know that, that, you know that writing on the mirror? Objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. Um, unfortunately, I don't think Thais read English. And uh, so it's not in Thai. And uh, so they will, they'll often come right in and, and literally, you know, it's just very dangerous all the time. But... We appreciate your prayers and, you know, having said that, there are many, many fields that you could say that about, where, where the missionaries, uh, you know, just in getting about trying to do what they do, are in, uh, experiencing a lot of dangers. So appreciate your prayers uh, for protection uh, in, in regard to all of that. All right, you have your Bible open here in uh, Jeremiah chapter uh, 28. I want to just explain to you a situation that's going on here. Um, what has happened is that uh, God, after a long period of time, uh, God has decided that the people of Jerusalem, that Israel, would be, t- would be carried away into captivity and God had d- decreed the period of time that that was going to be. It was going to be for a 70-year period and uh, God said, you're going to pay me back for all the Sabbaths that you took from me. And so they've been accumulating up. And isn't it true that sometimes uh, because there's not an immediate judgment on something, people think there will be no judgment on it. Uh, But it can be that all God is doing is counting it up. He's just adding it up. And a day will come where he will say, all right, now let's talk about all the times you stole the tithe from me. Now let's, let's talk about that offering that I told you to give that you knew I told you to give, but you wouldn't give. And so let's, uh, now we'll, we'll claim that back and maybe a little bit more. And uh, so uh, the time had come where God had said, uh, okay, they're going to go into captivity. Now, you had two things going on. Uh, you've got Jerusalem has got a remnant of people left under a king uh, that, are, that are holding out 
that they might be able to win the battle against the forces of Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon that are assembled against them. And uh, they're, they're trying to hold out. And Jeremiah is there with them. Uh, but there's, a, there's another group uh, that has already been gone into captivity and they're already in Babylon. And, uh, and they're there and they're not disengaged as to what's happening in Jerusalem. So they're in, they're in captivity and they're thinking, uh, how long is this going to go on for? Like, uh, is, are we going to get to go back soon? Uh, what should we do? And uh, there was just a lot of misinformation going on. And the truth of it all was that God had decided that this was it, that they were going to go into captivity. It was going to be 70 years. And, uh, they, and God said, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm using uh, Nebuchadnezzar. I'm using a, a foreign army, but it's me doing it. And because it is me, uh, resistance is futile. Don't, don't try to resist. Uh, just give into it. And what God was saying, in fact, he said to them, look, if you, if you, if you give in and you go out to them, uh, then you will save your life. You will be okay. If you give in, and, can you imagine, you're in a city, you're besieged. And, uh, and you're wondering, what should we do? And, uh, and God is saying, if you go out to them, and if you give in to this in recognition that it's me, <clears throat> you'll be okay. You know, you'll be carried away, but you'll be okay. You'll have your life. But if you stay and you try to fight this, you'll not prevail. And, uh, and just imagine. So, so God is having this, this dialogue with his, own, with his own people inside the walls. Outside is Nebuchadnezzar. I, I don't know that God is saying a whole lot to him. But God is, God is talking to his own about what's going on. And there's conflicting information going on. So, so there's, a, there's a diehard group that are in Jerusalem and they're holding out. And including the king and the army there. And, and so they're, they're trying to say, you know, we can win this and, and we'll be okay. And they've even got some prophets. You know, so, so now it's getting confusing because prophets are emerging and they're giving these prophecies to the people in Jerusalem saying, uh, thus saith the Lord, you know, uh, in two years you'll be, you'll be delivered and, and all this bad thing will pass away and everything will be okay. And, but of course, God wasn't, that wasn't God. Uh, now, that's what you read, if you, if you look here, it makes sense of our reading. In Jeremiah chapter 28, uh, you're reading there of Hananiah. And, uh, and it's actually told to us the year and the month that Hananiah makes his prophecy. And the reason it's told to us, you see in chapter 28 verse 1 in Jeremiah, that it's the fifth month is because uh, you're going to get over to uh, uh, verse 17 and God kills him. And God, God, God kills him uh, or, or brings about his death two months after this false prophecy. And what is happening is Hananiah is misleading people. And Hananiah is telling people things, listen carefully, Hananiah is telling people things they want to hear, but they are not true. He's telling them things that they, they want to believe it is that way, but it's entirely not true. And uh, so, so, so there's a, Jeremiah is there and Jeremiah is wearing a, a, a yoke of wood to symbolize that, you know, God has, is going to put the people into a yoke, a bondage. And uh, Hananiah comes along and uh, he makes this prophecy in uh, chapter 28 in the presence of all the priests and the people. So, you know, it's a big deal. It's a big gathering. And uh, verse 2, Hananiah says, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts. Uh, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Maybe some people shouted amen then, I don't know. But, uh, but, but, but there were some there for sure who, who wanted to believe that. Uh, uh, verse number three, uh, within two full years, uh, I'm going to bring back all the vessels that, that have been taken away previously to the house of God. And, and they're preaching a prophecy of hope to the people, but it's, it's entirely untrue. It's just, it's not that way. And Jeremiah hears this and he's there and he's been telling them, no, this is God and God is doing this and you should give in to it. It's the best thing to do. Now, uh, 
my, when, when, whenever you have a bad situation, even if you got there yourself, like they did, they, they sort of brought this on themselves. If ever you have a bad situation in your life or a whole lot of things have gone wrong and, and, and you, you may have been a major contributor to that going on. So, so in other words, you, you, you may have some problems. It may be relational. It may be something else. It is what it is now and you've just got, it's just problematic. I just want to say that God never stands before you and just says, well, there, you got what you deserved. Or, well, I, well, good, I hope you can see what you did to yourself. That is never God. What God comes along, he comes along in mercy and he comes along in understanding even to those who've transgressed against him. And he comes along and he, he offers to them the best thing that they, listen carefully, the best thing that they can do in an already difficult situation. And, and sometimes you can't go back. You can't, you can't undo it. You, you may have sinned yourself or, or you may have done some things yourself. I think any time we honestly reflect on a lot of our own problems, it's very rarely that when I honestly reflect on the things that go on around me that I can say, I had nothing to do with that. I'm usually in there somewhere. Uh, it, 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 may have been, uh, it may have just been my attitude was not all that it should have been. It may have been I should have handled what was really not my... I didn't initiate it, but I should have handled it better. You know, we're always involved there somewhere, but God comes along and God says, look, okay, you're dealing with a mess. There's going to be some loss here, but I haven't abandoned you and, and, and I'll be with you. And if you'll just follow me now in the steps that I tell you, uh, it'll work out okay, okay? He's not saying everything will come back, but, but I'll be with you, I'll help you. And that's very much how God is. He doesn't, he does, and we should be that way to people. We should be that way. So Hananiah is making a prophet, uh, a prophecy. It's not true. He says in two years that all the, the vessels of the house of God will all be brought back. And, uh, and Jeremiah is listening to that and he's listening to, the, to, uh, to Hananiah prophesying that. And, uh, and then um, verse number six, we didn't read it, of chapter 28. Uh, Jeremiah says, look, uh, amen. You know, what you said was a, was a grand and wonderful thought. It might be like this. Somebody saying, uh, there will be global peace in our time. Uh, uh, all men will, will lay down their weapons and uh, imagine there's no, you know, and, and there's just going to be this, Utopia will sweep over the world and, uh, and it'll just be... And we might say, well, you know, uh, amen, that, that would be wonderful. We, well, we, 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 we'd, we'd all be for global peace. We'd all like that. Uh, but it's not going to happen. And that's kind of what Jeremiah was saying. Look, you know, what you just said was, was, you know, it's all nice. And if it would work that way, well, that's great. Uh, but, but I don't think so. And then God, God comes along and, and judges Hananiah. And that was the reading we read in chapter 28 from 15 to 17, where God said, you have prophesied in my name things that are not true. And because of that, I will hold you to account for that. Now, we've got a whole lot of that going on today, where people are getting up and they're misrepresenting God on, a whole, on many, many different issues. And, uh, and they're saying, well, this is... This is well, you know, this, is, uh, this would be God's view on that or, or, or uh, you know, this would be this. And I, I've just heard some outrageous things and they, they just go on every week. Uh, there was an Anglican cleric uh, who had the collar and the whole thing and, and uh, you know, he was on a, uh, a, a, a talk show and he just said some outrageous things uh, that just entirely weren't true uh, but just in an effort to tell people what they want to hear but it isn't true. And, uh, and so, so Hananiah was just misrepresenting God. I think what we have to do is we just need to speak what's true, but we need to have the balance of God in that, that we're not condemning to people, uh, we're not being harsh to people, uh, we're, not, we're, not, um, we're not getting down on people because we don't particularly like that sin ourselves, but other things that we might be able to understand... We need to be biblical, we need to say truthfully how God sees it, and we need to lovingly point people forward to which way they can go. 
You hear what I'm saying? It's, it's, not, enough. it's, it, you're, it's not enough to just say to someone, well, you're just going to go to hell. I mean, I mean that's, that's half the story. You, you need to tell the other half this thing we call good news, which is the gospel. You better put that with that and, and put a proper perspective on that. And you better let people know that God loves them. And you better let people know that, that you know, okay, you might be in a mess, but, but there's still hope. There's still hope with God. So, so there was a competing narrative going on and people are, uh, are getting caught in the middle of that. And what happens is uh, uh, God raises up Ezekiel, and I'm going to read a couple of things in Ezekiel. God raises up Ezekiel, who is already in the place of captivity. So you've got Jeremiah in Jerusalem saying, give in to this, it's God. Uh, go out now and save yourself. Uh, don't listen to these false prophecies. We're not going to be delivered, uh, but God will be with us. And, and, uh, and you've got others saying, don't listen to Jeremiah. He's just, you know, whatever. And so God raises up Ezekiel, who's with the people who've already gone into captivity because they're very much a part of this. They're wondering, they want to know, what's the news of Jerusalem? Are they holding out? Did we, did we surrender prematurely? Did we give in to captivity and, and did we get it wrong? And uh, should, we, should we, you know, what should we do? Are we, what should we do? Now, God was saying to them, settle down right where you are. Go ahead, marry, plan your family, plant your vineyards, settle into life there. Uh, that's what God was telling them in chapter 29. Just settle into life there. Pray for the peace of that city where you are. Uh, and don't fight it. Just, just, just find your place and, uh, and uh, just be the people of God there and endure the time. And in the future, there'll be a restoration. But for now, that's what you should do. Are we clear on that? So you've got competing things going on. Uh, Jerusalem is there. They're holding out. The people in captivity are hearing these other prophets. And, and maybe some of them are thinking, you know, are we, are we traitors that we didn't fight this more? Or what should we have done? And so at that point, God raises up Ezekiel, uh, who is already there, and Ezekiel begins to prophesy about the fate of Jerusalem as well. So what he becomes, he becomes a confirmation voice to the prophecy of Jeremiah. Now, Josephus says, Josephus says that almost as soon as Ezekiel penned his prophecies, they were taken to Jerusalem. Uh, he says immediately, I believe, but, but all, as soon as they were penned, as soon as that they were known, quickly they were taken to Jerusalem because uh, the word of God was given to them as well. And what I think God was, you know, what should have been happening was that Ezekiel was confirming what Jeremiah was already saying. And so just, you know, that's kind of the, the scenario that's, that's going on here. Some are giving false hope. Uh, uh, Ezekiel is, is uh, being led of God. Now, uh, if you're in Ezekiel, uh, just, just, you're just over there. Uh, if you look in uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel's prophecies come to him uh, uh, in, uh, well, the, the location is given where he receives his prophecy. And uh, I'm going to just, uh, my, my thought tonight, uh, which will, will, you know, I don't know, it's terribly profound, but my thought tonight is just about, uh, you know, the dangers of letting uh, prejudice and preference affect our perception and reception, how we receive it, of the Word of God. That how our prejudices and our preferences can affect our perception uh, and our reception of the Word of God. Because that's what's going on here. And so God is trying, God is confirming this two ways, by what Jeremiah is saying, but what Ezekiel is saying. Ezekiel receives his prophecies in Ezekiel chapter 1, and uh, any time, and I think pastors pointed this out, any time in the word of God that uh, locations are given, uh, or there's a mention of that, it, it, it probably, not probably, it has some significance. So it's worth, if you're studying it, to try to give some thought to that. And uh, particularly when it's repeated, when it just keeps getting restated. And, and what keeps coming up in Ezekiel, in the early part of Ezekiel, is that every time he gets these prophecies, uh, he keeps getting them in, in Ezekiel 1 verse 1, 
by the river uh, Chiba or, or Keba. And so, so that's, that's the place that he was getting his prophecies. Now, the reason that that is significant, and it, so it's mentioned, uh, if, you, if you're studying it, it's mentioned in uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, verse number 3, you see it is again. Uh, he was by the river uh, Chiba, which comes from the Hebrew Keba. And uh, it's also in uh, 15, uh, verse number uh, 15, verse uh, in 23. Uh, this is the, it's re, it keeps mentioned that this is where he gets his prophecy. Now, that's significant because the river Chaba comes from the, the it's from an adverb, uh, Kiba, which is in Hebrew means this, okay? It means uh, something, something, uh, something revealed that already existed. Something, so, so, so Ezekiel's revelation, and this is what all revelation is, revelation is when God reveals for you to see something that already is. So revelation is not creation. Revelation is when God reveals something that already is or is already determined to be. It's already going to be. It already is. And, and God just simply, it's like there would be something behind the curtain and, uh, and I don't know what's there, but, but when the curtain is opened, I can see what was already behind the curtain. So it was always there. It was always there, but revelation is when that is revealed. So knowing that will help you to make sense, and, and this, and I, you know, another time, but I've been studying out the wheels and all the other stuff here of Ezekiel, and when you start to understand that context, that what God was showing him, God was just revealing to Ezekiel things, and in that case, eyes and wheels and winds, heavenly things, that it's already going on. And so that revelation was just to show Ezekiel what was already taking place, all right? So, so Ezekiel is having his revelations. He's getting prophecy over here. Uh, Jeremiah is getting his over here. And uh, they're confirming. They're confirming each other that this, is what, that this is what God has said. Now, from that, we can deduce, just in Matthew Henry style, shall we say, uh, that the ministers, and it, I, I didn't read Matthew Henry, but the ministers of God should support each other in the proclamation of the word of God. So there ought to be one voice in declaring the word of God. You know, it would be so much easier for our fellow Australians if they just heard one voice or one, one clear voice about the truth of God, whether they wanted to believe it or not, wouldn't it take away a lot of the confusion if everybody at least knew this is what God said. And there wasn't people saying, no, no, this is what God said. No, 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 uh, uh, you know, those ancient uh, Pauline perspectives don't exist anymore. And uh, that was just a cultural bent that he had, probably because of his divorce. And, and so, you know, this is what God... And, and it's confusing to people. It's confusing. Or there, you'll get some nutter on the extreme right who, who, who doesn't have the love of God in his Bible... And all he knows is judgment, condemnation, and denouncement. And so that's all they hear. And so rightfully, people are confused about, about well, what, what, what is of God, really? But those who know the word of God, we should be in unison in what we're saying. If, if, it's, God, if it's God's word and not my opinion that prevails, then we all should be saying the same thing. We all, we all, should be, we, we all have the same book. We all, we all can read the same thing. So there ought to be agreement there. Now... They were saying, well, Ezekiel's over here, he's prophesying, and Jeremiah's over here, and there were false prophets. So here's what they, look, they were looking to do. They were looking to find a reason to not listen to Ezekiel or Jeremiah. And what they thought they found was a contradiction. Okay, now this is important because, because we're going to just sort of visit the fact about how we respond when we read something in the Bible that we can't reconcile. All right, so, so what they perceived they picked up 
was a contradiction. All right, and I'm going to show you what they were saying, but they were, they, they were saying, now hang on, Jeremiah said this, but Ezekiel said this. So how can both those things be true? Therefore, they said, don't listen to any of them. All right, now I'll give you, I'll show you the example. If you look in Jeremiah chapter 21, uh, Jeremiah chapter 21, and we'll just notice verse number seven. Now, if you wanted to read it all in context, and obviously we're not here for two hours tonight, uh, if you want to read the whole thing, I think you'd have to read probably you know, the first 10 verses at least of Jeremiah chapter 21. But to just point out the principle, what we're looking at tonight, verse number seven. And afterward said the Lord, now this is Jeremiah's uh, prophecy, all right? This is coming from Jeremiah. In fact, verse 3, Jeremiah is told, you tell Zedekiah this. Verse 7, And afterwards saith the Lord, I will deliver Zedekiah, king of Judah, and his servants and the people, and such as left in this city uh, from the pestilence, from the sword, from the famine, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of their enemies. So, so you can, he, Jeremiah's prophecy was, you're not going to win. God has said King Zedekiah uh, will be delivered into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar and he, he, will be taken, he will be taken captive into Babylon. All right? So that's what, that's what Jeremiah was prophesying. Now, uh, in Ezekiel chapter number 12, so we're all we're kind of close to each other there. Ezekiel chapter number 12 Remember that you've got Jeremiah prophesying over here. You've got Ezekiel prophesying over here. In uh, Ezekiel chapter number 12, uh, in verse number 13, and again, you, you, you could read more there, but it's a prophecy again about uh, Zedekiah. He says, God said, My net also will I spread upon him, and he shall be taken in my snare, and I, and I will bring him to Babylon, to the land of the Chaldeans, Yet shall he not see it, uh, though he shall die there. So here's what they were saying. They're saying, okay, okay, hang on. Jeremiah's prophesying that, that, that Zedekiah is going to be taken into Babylon as a captive, but Ezekiel's prophesying that he won't see it. And they were saying, how do you reconcile that? How do you, hang on, you guys are not on the same page. You're both saying you're of God, but he's saying he'll be taken into captivity in Babylon and you're saying he'll never see, he'll never see Babylon. So, well, how does that work? And what they were doing, they were, they, were, they, were, they were grabbing things like that to say, well, there's a contradiction and, and so we're not going to listen. But if you go to 2 Kings chapter 25, and you, you perhaps know already, but if you go to 2 Kings chapter 25, you see what happened. In 2 Kings chapter number 25 and verse number 6, so they took the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon. So it all happened to Riblah and they gave judgment upon him. Verse 7, 2 Kings chapter number 25, and they slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. And here it is, and put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him with fetters of brass and carried him to Babylon. Ezekiel was saying, he'll never see it. Jeremiah was saying, he'll be taken into Babylon. Ezekiel was saying, he'll never see Babylon. They were saying, contradiction. How can both of you be from God? So what happened was, what they said, both. He was taken into captivity but before he went to Babylon, they put his eyes out. So when he did get to Babylon as a blind man, he never did see it. And so, so the word of God was confirmed. But, but, but in process of that happening, before it had happened, they were looking for reasons to not believe what God had said. Now, that, that, that is not unknown to our day. It's not unknown that that people are looking for things, so, well, that's a contradiction, or, uh, or it's not so. so. So there's a danger with all of that. And so here, here are the, you know, the brief things for us to, 
to take on. Number one is there is a danger in interpreting God's word according to our own prejudices. All right, because they didn't want it to be like that, they said it will not be like that. Because they didn't want it to be like that. Now, we mentioned hell this morning, but, but let's, you know, again, how many times do we hear people say there's no hell? They say there's no hell because they don't want there to be a hell. And I don't want there to be a hell either, but there is one. And the, the only difference between we share the same desires. I don't want there to be one either. Uh, but, but the only difference is I take the word of God as it is and say God has made it clear that it's there. They say, well, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't agree with that. Oh, okay. So it's not there. And, and, and there's a real danger that we will, we will approach the word of God uh, with the, through the paradigm of our prejudices. And we've got to be really careful with that. Uh, and and, and let, let God show us what's true and let God teach us what's true. Now, I'm an independent Baptist, all right? So I, so I, I wasn't born into it. I got saved in a Pentecostal church and I'm just glad I got saved. So, but I had a different journey. I, w- I was there for a few years and uh, then for a, for a brief period of time, uh, I was in the Presbyterian church and, uh, and I thank God that God reached me and, uh, and I got brought to an independent Baptist church. And why do you thank God for that, Brother Shemish? Well, because in the independent Baptist church, they were using King James Bibles. They were preaching the word of God. They had an emphasis on reaching the lost that I also shared. They cared about missions and people in other places. And they had a philosophy that said God's people are not supposed to be like the world. So, so that I embraced all of that with gladness because it was, it, it was in my view, uh, a biblical perspective. Now, having said that, uh, I'm not so much of an independent Baptist that I wave that flag uh, above the word of God. Are you okay with that? I, I want to make sure that, because I might go to a meeting uh, where I'm with, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, whatever, Southerners, or and I don't mean Australia, but, but I'm with a group of people who, who, depending where I am, they might have a particular bent about a few issues. And you can get swept up in the group, and uh, the good old boys can really be going to town about two or three things that they're sort of highlighting that this is at the top of God's list. Well, I, I want to be balanced with that and say, look, you, your prejudices are sort of affecting your perspective on that. Uh, you know, you, you're about 50% right, but, but be careful that you don't let your prejudices uh, affect your reception of the Word of God. And there's a, there's a danger with that. And then secondly, uh, because, because remember, they didn't want it to be that way. So they were trying to find fault with the, with the, the prophecy based on what they wanted to happen. Secondly, there is a danger of interpreting God's word based on your presumptions about the messenger. So, so the danger is that, that you, will, you, will, you will decide on something or maybe decide to not receive something based on who it is that God is using to tell you that. So, so this, in their context, here's what they were saying. Well, Jeremiah is negative. That's why he's saying that. Jeremiah is saying we'll be defeated because he's not a loyalist. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't love the king and the nation like we do. And that's why he's saying those negative things. And, uh, and he's just being disloyal to the king. And so they, they, were, they were making presumptions that were not true. Uh, Jeremiah was their greatest advocate. He loved them. And uh, he would go out with them. Uh, I, I read when I was in Israel many years ago, or one visit a long time ago, but I read there in a museum uh, that the, the Jews chronicled the fact that Jeremiah was walking up and down the line with the captives, uh, weeping. And, uh, and the captives were weeping as well. And they were saying, oh, uh, you know, Father, you know, Jeremiah, what will happen to us? And uh, they record, and this is not biblical, but they record that, that he said, you know, if, if your fathers had wept like this a long time ago, then we wouldn't be weeping like this today. 
meaning that, that if we had recognised our disobedience a long time ago, then this may not have needed to happen. Uh, but that's just extracurricular, but, but it's, um, it's what they say. But uh, they, were, they were saying, well, Jer- Jeremiah is not loyal. Or, or so, so what would you put that in context? Well, you might say this. Well, yeah, but Pastor Shemish would say that because that's, that's his generation. Okay, be careful. Be careful about that. Are you sure? Or, uh, well, well, you know, that's Pastor Lo- that would be Pastor Lloyd's view because of, that's just his perspective on that. Be careful with that. Be careful you're not making assumptions about the messenger. And there is always a messenger. And Jeremiah was a man, so probably if you looked hard enough, you could find some things that maybe, maybe were lacking. I know certainly if you look this way too much, you'll, you'll definitely find them. But, uh, but, but be careful that you don't, you don't misinterpret the word of God based on your presumptions about the messenger. Be, be careful if, if you counsel with somebody and they share with you the word of God that because that might be a difficult thing, don't, don't get angry at them. Don't, 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 don't dismiss what is true because it's a hard thing. And there are hard things. There are hard things. There are, there are difficult things. There, there are things that I think as preachers we would rather not say. I know for me that's true. There are, there are parts that I'd rather not have to say. Frankly, there are parts of the Bible, if I, if I read them out tonight, I'd be embarrassed reading them. I mean, if I had to actually read the text, or I might give it to Paul Haycock and get him to read it, but uh, if I had to read some of those, I'd just be embarrassed, but it's the Word of God, and I'd just be embarrassed because I'd be awkward mentioning that. But it's, uh, it's, the, it's, the, it's the Word of God. So, so be careful with that. And then number three, uh, there's a danger in presuming an error or a contradiction because you presently can't reconcile something that's happening. Okay, so this is a big one. There's a danger that you say, well, that's not true or that's contradictory because you can't reconcile two things. So remember, Jeremiah is saying uh, he will be led into Babylon. He, he, will, he will be taken into Babylon as a captive and Ezekiel is saying he won't see Babylon. So people are saying, ah, oh, both can't be true. No, both would be true, but in a uh, you know, a, a terrible way, but both would be true because he was going to be led into there, but he was blinded before. So, so what happens sometimes is your life experience uh, challenges your belief in the Word of God because you, you can go through something or some things that you cannot reconcile with God's perspective. You can't, you, can't, you can't reconcile what is going on with what you're reading in the Bible. Now, there have been people who that has taken out. You understand? Now, you didn't know that because they were quite belligerent in their attacks against the Word of God. And you wondered, how can someone change like that? And really what happened there was that those people were going through some things where there was suffering and difficulty and they, were, they, they finally said, I can't reconcile this with all that I've heard about God and so what I heard about God mustn't be true. Mm. And that's really dangerous. So what you have to do is you have to say, look, there may be times that I cannot understand exactly how all this works but if God says it so I accept it to be so so one of the ones that people struggle with they often struggle with how do you reconcile the sovereignty of God with the with the free will of man and and many many times that brings people to a place where they feel like look these things must be diametrically opposed how how can you reconcile that so so they might say this and I'm not going to answer them all tonight uh, maybe Pastor Lloyd can do a series. Uh, but um, they might say this, well, uh, why did God make man in the first place if he knew that man was going to sin? Well, there's an answer to that. There's an answer. And, and, but they will raise things like that. Well, well why this if that? Well, well, if God is all-powerful, he is, 
And if God is omnipresent and, and knows all things, then why didn't he stop that tsunami before it came crashing down on everyone? Because if I was God, I would have stopped the tsunami. Well, see, now they're, 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 they're looking at something and they're saying, well, I, I can't, in my, in my finite brain, and even if you've got a big one, <laughs> even, if you're, even if you're super smart more than all the rest of us, you're still, you know, a peanut brain compared to God, respectfully, all right? So, but sometimes in our peanut brain, we cannot reconcile the vastness of God in his ways. Well, shock. Shock that man couldn't work all that out. You know, should we really be surprised? Let's just get a piece with the fact that God is God and I'm really not. I'm just, I'm, I'm a little man, getting bigger, a little man who does not understand a lot of things. But, but I just believe some things because God has said it so. So be careful about that when you can't reconcile something and, uh, and uh, particularly uh, the danger of uh, determining eternal truths based on your present experience. And you've really got to watch that. You've got to watch it when you get hurt. Uh, you've got to watch it if you're praying and you say, my prayers are not being answered. I've had people say that to me. It's really hard for me when the ties will say to me sometimes, and I know what they're saying, and I, I, sometimes I want to lie. They, 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 they'll, they'll, they'll call me and they'll say, are you feeling better? Um, I'm okay, but, but do, you, do, you, do you have strength back now? And do you, do you feel, uh, I think it's on the way. Uh, and, and, really, and, and I feel so awful because... Because they've just been in the three days of fasting and prayer for me. Or, or, or someone would say, are you healed yet? Um, I think I feel a bit better. And, and you're almost trying to accommodate them because I feel, they've prayed and they've fasted. And they're, they're looking for God to do something. And, and yet, you know, it hasn't happened yet. Well, I, you know, I can't. I can't be God. I can't explain all of that. Um, I've had my own events that I can't explain. I was in a meeting a while ago. Now, there are people sitting in this church tonight, uh, and, and, and Pastor Lloyd has these stories too. There are people sitting in this church tonight who went through a time where they were told by doctors they'd never be able to have children. And there are people sitting in the church tonight that, that we prayed together and I anointed with oil and, and we prayed and God did a miracle and they have children, more than, more than one, all right? So, so I'm just saying that that's... And, and I've had that in different places around the world uh, where, where I felt led that. Well, I was in a meeting in Thailand, and I'm there, and, uh, and uh, there was a couple stood up in a church in a combined meeting, and a, and a, a great couple who sacrificed for God, and they'd, they'd given everything, and they just were beautiful people. They'd won others to Christ, a younger couple, and uh, they'd gone like... 10 years of their marriage and were unable to have a child and all they wanted was to, was to have a child. Now, some of you ladies know the, the anguish of watching it happen all around you but it not happening to you and that's what they were going through. And so they stood up in the service, it wasn't disorderly and, uh, and they, said, uh, they said, we want, and I was up the front on the platform, we want Ilgen Thai. We want Pastor Shemish to pray for us that we can have a baby. And everyone had known they haven't been able to have a baby. So hundreds of people there all knew their story that they have not been able to have a child. And now, you know, David Livingston has arrived and, uh, and they're saying, uh, you know, we want him to pray for us and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, that we, and anoint us with oil that, that we could have a baby. And when they stood up and said that, uh, all the people have been inspired by the preaching and the meeting and their faith is all charged. And so when they stood up and said that, people listened to them. And, and then they looked at me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, help me. I'm just, I'm sitting there and I'm up, I'm up the front and I'm watching all this go on and I'm praying, I'm praying. God, what do you want me to do? Lord, Lord, is this you? Is this... Is this you or is this me? Because if, if I pray 
and I'm, I'm, and outwardly, I'm, not, I'm just looking very at peace. But inside, it's all happening. You know what I'm saying? And my mind's, my mind's racing. And I'm saying, God, because if I pray for these people like this, you know what I'm saying? These are new believers in, in front of this crowd. And I call them up front and I anoint them with oil and I pray and nothing happens. You already know what they're all going to feel. That's, now, that's probably, by the way, what did me in right there. That was, that was probably my complete lack. But that's what I'm praying. So I'm saying, God, should I, should I do this or what? I don't know what to do. And they're standing like, and everyone's looking at me like. And I said, let's have that couple come down. And they went, oh, amen. And, and so they make their way down. And people are crying. This is a beautiful couple. People are crying. And, and I go down under the floor. And everybody's looking, and I, they, they bring me over some oil. And uh, this story doesn't have a happy end, all right? If you haven't got it, it's heading to not a good end so, so far. So, so I take the oil, and I, and I pray, and they're crying, and I, and I anoint, just like I did with many, many others. Really, nothing different. I read the same passages. I prayed a similar prayer. Uh, I, I asked God to do it. I think I had faith. And, and, I, and I prayed and I anointed them with oil and I said, you know, I said, every time I do this and I pray for people like this, and if, you, if I pray for you, you know, people here know that, I said, every time I do this, I always give a gift for the baby. As a, and people here will tell you, yeah, he does that. I always give a gift for the baby. And I said to them, I have no gift. And I said, but I'll give you my tie and it'll probably be a boy. And you give him my tie to wear. Well, they took it. They cried. And, and I, I want to stand here and tell you, just months later, but, but honestly, it's been, it's probably been three or four years. And they have no child. And I keep seeing them. And every time I see them, I go, oh, God. <laughs> Did I get this right? Was I, was, I, was I delusional? I prayed. God, was I, was, I, was I carried away in a moment and I didn't hear you? But God, I asked you. I said, should I do this? Should I? I was, I was asking God. Now, I'm just saying that as it stands tonight, I can't reconcile that. I can't reconcile that. Because, because they're the only ones I know that I've ever prayed for that did not get, does not have a child. So pray for them, by the way, okay? So, so God knows their name, and if you want to know privately, I'll tell you after, but pray for them. But I'm just saying, I can't reconcile that. So what do I do? Well, I want to tell you, it gave my faith a little bit of a, a, a challenge. So I was in America recently, and, uh, and a pastor of a larger church uh, came to me, and he said, uh, and I knew, he said, look, I have this condition, and everybody sort of doesn't know, and and he said, you know, I've heard you uh, talking about when you anointed people with oil and prayed for them. I'm going, oh, God, don't do this to me again. And I'm going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he said, so, you know, I was thinking, no, I'm just going to ask Pastor Shemesh to anoint me with oil and pray for me for healing. Well, I tell you, that rose up in me like, God, remember, you know, that whole thing up there and those people. And, 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 oh, look, I'm, oh, oh, and I did pray for him and, you know, that one's in process, but... I'm just saying you can't always reconcile because we're not God. So, so you might be sitting there and you say, well, well, Pastor Shemish, it must have been that you misheard God. Well, I, I don't know that. I'm not sure you can say that. You, might, you could be right, but you could be wrong. You could say, well, I'm, just, I'm not sure that you heard God because if you heard God and he asked you to pray for them, and that didn't happen, well, you mustn't have heard God. Well, see, that's not automatically so. Sometimes it can be you did hear God and you were meant to do that and there is a purpose beyond what you understand, but your job is to be the servant and you're not God. So can you see, when it comes to the Word of God, we must be careful that we are not determining eternal things based on present experiences so if you're going through a hard time and you feel like God is not there the Bible says God is there 
So you can't change that because of what you're feeling. Okay, if you're praying about something and you say, but my prayer didn't get answered, that doesn't mean that God doesn't answer prayers and that doesn't mean that God is not hearing your prayer. And it, and it can even be that it's still going to happen. I mean, I don't know. But, but we've got to get to the place where my reception of the Word of God is above my experiences. Do you understand? It's not determined by what I'm going through. And I'll finish with this. That was the strength of Job. Job's great strength was that despite all he went through and never understanding why he was going through it, he never altered what he believed or knew to be true. And, and we could all sort of say, well, dear, I want to be like Job, but we need to pray that we will be. Because, because you just don't know when that test is the one that really is, you, is close to your breaking point. You know what I mean? There can be different things for different people. But when that thing that comes and doesn't go away and really challenges your whole thinking about God and you've got to, you've got to have something beyond that. And I think what it is principally... I think it's a grace that God gives, but at a human level, I think it's a discipline of mind and spirit. So, so we, we make the determination, I'm not going to go there in my mind. I'm not even going to go there to, uh, like Job's friends were saying, I'm, Job, Job was able to say this in Job 13 verse 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And I will maintain mine own ways before him. So Job said, even though I can't reconcile this with God as I know him, uh, and, and you know, combined with that, the voice of maybe others saying, well, what's going on here? And you must have done something wrong. You've got to discipline your mind and your spirits, more or less, not the Holy Spirit, your spirit, to say, look, I'm not going to go there. I've made a decision to believe, I believe the word of God even when I don't fully understand it all. I believe the word of God when I can't even explain sometimes how can this be. Uh, God is God and I am not. And we sing one of those great songs here like that, that, you know, God is God and we are not. And we will say that. And just, just be careful because our, our message tonight is we see an example where people were, were trying to play things off against each other, saying, well, how can both of this be true? But actually, it was all true. And one day, I think there'll be uh, complete harmony in our understanding between the sovereignty of God, the foreknowledge of God, the free will of man. I think all those things will turn into a beautiful harmony. I've watched people in different places around the world discard a great doctrinal truth simply because they couldn't reconcile it. And that's a mistake. So because some people can't reconcile the sovereignty of God, they say there is no sovereignty of God. It's all just choice. It's all just choice. Well, no, it's both. Uh, and we just need to have a peace with that. All right? So let's have a song, uh, Paul, and uh, we'll be done. God bless you with that, and uh, may it be helpful to you, if not now, in the future. Uh, pray for that couple. If that, if that touched your heart tonight, uh, just, just pray about that, uh, that couple I'll, I'll, I'll give you their name or I'll, I'll put it through on Wednesday night. I don't, want to, I don't want to go over the whole, you know, the world right now. All right, thank you, Brian.